Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Bucks, Bulls, and Bows podcast. I'm your host, Rod White. This is uh, the, I think it's actually, it should be the seventh day of the 30 days of rut. Although this is only, I think, the third uh, podcast that I've kicked out. Because, one, I had my son over the weekend. And for those of you that know me, I am very focused on my son. I, I it, It's just a situation where I just, I just don't do anything other than focus on him. So, hope you all can respect that. And then yesterday uh, and Monday, uh, Monday actually recorded a podcast to be kicked out on yesterday, went to upload it, um, and it didn't upload. So I don't know what happened there, but the audio file that I built actually was corrupt or something and just didn't work. So my apologies, didn't kick it out. So we're just going to catch up. That's all. So this podcast might be a little longer than than some others. Uh, just to clarify for a lot of you that are um, tuning in for the first time, and last night I posted, yesterday I posted a video of a buck I rattled in. And uh, it was kind of comical to me because I had a lot of people reaching out, like, sending me messages. <laughs> uh, the best one is, like, you got busted out of the tree. Yes. Yes, I got busted. Like, that happens all the time. So I don't, I don't really know. I, I think a lot of folks, what I'm getting at is, don't really understand what I do with this page and this podcast, my Facebook page and my Instagram page. I, I'm here to help everybody out. If that doesn't serve you, because there were also, like, death threats which I get daily anyways, just about like, whatever. I don't really care because I, for whatever reason, people share stuff to anti-hunting pages. And when it gets shared to anti-hunting pages, you get a whole bunch of anti-hunters that start following you, which is weird because they tell you they shouldn't see it. I don't want to see this on my feed. Why is it showing up? Guys, I'm not Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm sure none of them are listening to this podcast anyways, but that's the stuff I deal with regularly. And so I guess if, if you're if you if you're wanting to come at me or on a page anybody's page with some kind of intent to actually like try to tear them down or whatever like I don't get it like why why do you waste the time doing that personal excellence is something that we should all strive to have and that's definitely not a display of personal excellence so I'm not going to go down that road. I know this is a podcast about deer hunting, but I just want to let you guys know. If you guys don't like what you're seeing, it's simple. There's an unfollow button. Just hit the unfollow button. That's it. Super easy. I do this for free. Nothing. Like, And that's the problem, actually, because it seems like anytime you do something for free, people don't appreciate it at all. And so maybe I should just start charging for this stuff. Anyways, no sponsors here. Um, I, I pay for the gear that I have. Uh... I do get some, every once in a while, Illusion sends me, they sent me a little care package the other day with some soap and stuff like that in it, uh, which I'll kick out a little thing on later on, because um, it is pretty good stuff. And then, uh, you know, I, I've gotten calls over the years and stuff. I, I don't have a paid agreement with them. I don't have a paid agreement with the bow they shoot or the broadheads or the, the site, but none of that stuff. Like, I literally do this for free. So um, please just keep that in mind as you're listening and while you're sharing the show. And I apologize for going on a rant, but I just had to get that out in the open there. Um, because I just don't take the time to respond to stupid comments. There's a block and delete button too, that I use <laughs> just, I just don't want to wind up with arthritis later on. So anyways, um, back to the show. So it is uh, November 2nd right now. And we are, I'm rolling down the road here. I got about an hour's drive to where I'm hunting at on a piece of public ground. And, um, uh, I posted a video yesterday, and the reason I posted that video was, and very few people caught it, which was a little frustrating to me, but I kind of expected it, I guess. Uh, I rattled in a buck that was super angry, like came in, and check it out, the video's kind of cool, actually. Um, I mean, he was so upset, he 
broken uh, some trees and branches, and there was, I think there was a log involved and flipped it over, a small log, flipped it like over his head. He was <laughs> all kinds of worked up. And as he came into like, you know, what he thought was obviously two bucks fighting there somewhere, uh, he come marched on down and kind of slowed his march a little bit. And then there, the, the wind was blowing from, you, you can see a rub on the video, and there's a couple scrapes around there too that haven't been touched for a little bit from deer anyways. He came into the, uh, that rub and kind of like leaned forward a little bit to smell it. The wind was blowing straight to him. And you can see him pretty much kind of, I don't want to say come unglued, but went definitely on alert. And that's when he looked up in the tree at me. Super um, important thing here that I was hoping some people caught and a couple people caught it. Uh, what, what, when you, when you go in to hang a set, like a lot of you probably, uh, most of you probably actually already have your sets already ready to go. I, or I would hope you do. Um, but some of you may be doing some scouting along the way. Like right now, I'm still hunting. While we have this crazy heat right now, I'm still hunting in the mornings um, and spending just a little bit of time scouting midday hours. And I'll tell you what I'm looking for there in a second. And then in the evenings, uh, I'm decoying at evenings uh, for the most part right now. Um, midday hours, I I'm checking some places that I can see on my Onyx maps that have ponds. Um, ponds that are in the timber that are secluded and very small are absolutely deadly when it gets really hot like this. So a lot of times I'll be hunting now, I'll either, maybe I'll set up on a pond or, and I say a pond, it could be just, um, sorry, it's my decoy rattling in the back of the truck. It may just be uh, a little water hole of some sort. It may be a little bit of water stuck in a creek kind of thing. Um, th those spots right now are absolutely deadly. So I, I may either set up there in the morning um, or I might set up near like a bedding area. It just depends on where I'm at and how I'm feeling um, and what I know about that, that place already or what I think I know. And then um, I, I'll move to that water source for the midday hours. And then in the evening, I'm going to move out to a field somewhere with a decoy. And that's kind of how I'm going to roll through this heat because a lot of you are asking about the heat that we're facing right now. Um, it's super important to realize that regardless of the moon phase or the, the sun or the solar calendar, whatever you want to look at, when, it, when we hit November 1st or 2nd, generally speaking, nothing's going to stop that movement in the mornings and the evenings other than a horrible weather condition. As you move into the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, those days right there, I don't care what the weather's doing. I am not leaving my tree other than to move to another tree. And that's a 100% cold hard fact. I will not move um, at all because I kill most of my bucks, as many of you know, in the middle of the day. My best bucks have been killed in the middle of the day. I would highly encourage you to make sure that you're in a tree in the middle of the day when possible during those dates. Now, there's a cold front coming in. Uh, well, it's not much of a cold front, it doesn't look like, but there's a, a weather change possibly coming in. We've got a lot of south winds here in the Midwest. So again, tailored specifically to, to, to the Midwest, Iowa, Illinois, southern parts of Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota, uh, northeast Missouri, the, the, or north central even. Um, we, you know, what I'm telling you pretty much is going to happen pretty much on the timeline it's happening to me. If you're up north, it's going to happen probably maybe a day or two earlier. And then if you're down south and out east, you guys are always later. Um, the extreme to what you are later can be can vary greatly, like especially down like Mississippi and stuff. Like it can get really late, Texas and that kind of thing. But this is pretty much tailored to those of you hunting whitetails in the Midwest. Um, so kind of keep that in mind, the information I'm telling you. But um, I would su suggest that if you're going to um, be hunting in the mornings, you definitely should focus on one of two places right now on bedding areas. I, I don't forget about the food. 
yes, for the next day or two, you can you can pop in some scrape locations if you've got some in the timber. But I would be hunting those bedding areas because those bucks are, are definitely on their feet, and they are highly susceptible to rattling in the morning right now. Again, that's specific to, to the areas I'm hunting across Iowa. Um, if you're in an area where you have a really low buck-to-doe ratio, meaning you have, you have very few bucks to the number of does that you have in a high population, rattling is probably not going to work very well for you. If you're in an area in which you have uh, um, a lot of immature bucks, and when I say immature, like two and a half and younger deer, probably not going to be real effective for you. Grunts can still be effective for you. It should be. Vocalization should be for you. So I would still carry a grunt call if it, if it were me. I always carry my grunt call. I've got, and I, I do run an illusion extinguisher. I've had the same one for four or five years. I've got a set of black racks that I've had for four or five years. Those are my rattling antlers. And I take those with me all the time. And and I do, I have used them at times outside of this and been effective with them. But now I'm actually, because I'm bouncing from so many places to so many places, um, I'm absolutely doing a lot of rattling. And I can tell you that right now um, is, is one of the best times to rattle. Like for whatever reason, typically that last week of October, I do really well with the antlers. I would say, I, well, one, I didn't hunt a whole lot to begin with the last week of October like I normally do. But two, for whatever reason, I, I just wasn't getting the response that I'm getting. Like what I'm getting now, I should have gotten a little bit ago. But again, I've only hunted like three or four days. So it's really not fair for me to say that. Um, a lot of my time was spent scouting on my feet, trying to find new trees and locations that I wanted to be in for the next week or two, which is like, I'm super glad I do. I sacrificed that time. Um, a lot of you know I elk hunt quite a bit. So scouting for me it, prior to the opening of archery season here in Iowa, which is October 1st, it, it's like zero for me because I'm in Montana or Idaho or Wyoming or something. If I'm, uh, uh, when I roll in that, that for, when I, when I come back, I, I'm generally spending time catching up with, um, you know, family time with my son. Uh, I, I'm just not focused on deer hunting. And that's just a fact. I throw out some cameras usually this year. I only threw out like four cameras. I grabbed them all yesterday. It's another thing that I did in the podcast that got deleted is I would say if you're going to have, uh, if you have cameras out, you know, in these midday hours, for those of you that, that aren't bouncing around a lot of different public land places or different places that you just got a permission on or don't know about, because I'm still scouting midday, like I told you earlier, I, I, I would pull all of your cameras unless they're cell cameras. And, and here's, there's two reasons for that. One is at this time of the year, seldom do I get a picture of a mature buck multiple times on the same camera. All I use my cameras for are determine what age structure I have in a given area that I'm hunting. I'm not uh, using those cameras in a specific manner in which I'm trying to kill a specific deer. Now, if you have private ground and nobody messes with your deer and it's all all your stuff, that that's different. So if you're listening to this and you've got deer that you're trying to kill, boy, I'm going to tell you right now, you've got about three or four days to get that deer killed or it's going to be over. And when I say over, meaning it's a highly unlikely, well, all deer have different personalities. Deer <laughs> never always do the same things. Like, never. Like, they're, they're not that predictable. If they were, we'd all have giant deer on the wall. I, I, I'm just saying that I would do all I could to be as invasive as I need to be in order to kill a specific deer if I wanted one that bad that I had information on based on my camera information. If you have cell cameras out, a little different story. Those you can obviously leave up, but I, I also truly believe that the majority, not all by any means, because I've had deer that, and I've managed tens of thousands of acres across the Midwest, 
in my experience, the majority of mature bucks, when they get caught on camera and they see the camera, majority of the time, they're not coming back. Like that buck yesterday that I rattled in, he saw me in the tree, probably, most likely, not going to come back to that area anytime soon. And if he does, he'll avoid that tree, probably like the plague and that rub. So coming back full circle to that rub, what I wanted to tell you about and what a lot of people missed about that video that I really wanted to convey, and I didn't throw it in there specifically because I wanted to see who, you know, if you guys could catch this, and I figured I would explain it on a podcast. When that buck approached that rub, and you saw him kind of geek out a little bit, and then he, he looked up in the tree at me, I'm pretty confident, like 99.9% certain, when he got to that tree, there was a I know for sure there was a camera there just a couple days ago pointed at that rub and which is super i see it all the time in public land somebody finds a rub to point a camera at it well the tree's already been rubbed the deer's gone so i'm not really sure what the plan is there but <laughs> they don't revisit those generally like scrapes rubs like that these great big rubs are generally what i call confrontational rubs they're rubs where other deer have where deer have met another deer and they're displaying for them whatever you want to call it trying to show some dominance that's usually what those great big rubs are. And so in that video, like you can see that that deer comes up, smells that. The camera was gone. I knew that after light because I could look down there and see that the camera was gone. When I climbed down, I walked over there and there were boot tracks. The camera had obviously been taken by somebody and there are boot tracks in the, a scrape in the area right there where that camera was pointed towards. So I'm gonna be willing to bet that somebody came in there and pulled that camera and when they pulled that camera, they left behind quite a bit of odor. And this is my point. Super important for, for y'all to realize, especially uh, earlier in the season. But it's just a great demonstration of it, what, I, what happened yesterday. When, when you see that kind of um, – when, when you leave anything behind, meaning if you're wearing just leather boots in there, not rubber boots, you're not clean when you go and pull your cameras or you go and hang a stand, or this time of year, you go into somewhere, you find a really nice tree – and then you go and hack up the whole area around you so that you can get your shooting lanes in. I promise you, while you are gone, there are deer that are going to come by there and smell what you've done. Maybe not know exactly what you've done, but know that something's up in that area and may never possibly return to that for several weeks, if not months. So to come full circle, what I'm trying to get at is this is why I'm super mobile with my setup and I hang and hunt a lot and I don't rely anymore on sets. I've done those for years. Yes, you can be successful. Absolutely. And yes, you can, you can change your habitat when you own property and funnel deer and do all kinds of super cool things we can talk about in another episode. But if you're a public land hunter or you're hunting other properties where other people are at, or you're hunting your own property, quite frankly, for that, for that matter, and you find a hot spot like that, you need to hunt it like now like right away and hunt it for two or three days if, you, if necessary, if the wind's good. Because while you're not there, if you're letting a place quote unquote cool down, I hear that from hunters all the time. I, I found this awesome spot, hung my stand, I let it cool down for three days and I'll come back in. Okay, I don't, deer don't have calendars, one. <laughs> so they don't know when their three days is up. And two, if they come in there and smell where you've been, which could be several days later, literally several days after you've been there, you're going to ruin your opportunities at that specific deer that, that left that kind of sign, if that's what you're gunning for. Um, and I think that happens a lot with cameras, too. People go and pull the cameras. Uh, oh, my gosh, I got a big deer. They go in. They go and hang a set. They trim out their shooting lanes, and they never see that deer. They never get another image of them. It's just over. Um, very, very common. So 
I tell you all that to tell you this. If I were you and you, you find some hot sign right now, set up on it and hunt it, 100%. Whether that's morning, whether that's in, in the morning in a bedding area or in the evening uh, alongside a, a field edge, it's more than likely that those deer, especially with this heat in the morning, if you, if you find it, uh, a, a good deer or a bunch of good sign that's fresh, as in like that morning, it's highly likely that deer's not very far away. Slide on out of there, grab your stuff, get back in a tree, and, and don't worry about having perfect shooting lanes because at the end of the day, the majority of bucks that a lot of you probably killed, just based off of my personal experience, the majority of the bucks that I've killed over the years haven't actually been on deer trails anyways, um, or they're on small faint trails or whatever off to the side. They're not usually on these major trails. And that's the biggest mistake I see people make at this time of the year. They find hot sign, they, they hang a set, they go and trim all these shooting lanes to all these trails that the deer may or may not walk on because they're made basically at different times of the year. And uh, they, they pretty much burn a spot out by letting it sit for three or four days. So big takeaway from today, I, I hope you guys hear me on that. And that's that's why I posted that video. It was just uh, super comical to me to see people make weird comments about like, oh my God, he busted you. Yes, of course he busted me. Yes. <laughs> so I don't understand. If I was trying to kill that deer, I definitely would not go back to that same tree again. I might hunt that same area, but I'm probably not going to be within bull range of that tree because uh, I, I, I 100% believe that that deer is probably going to avoid that like the plague, even though he's a hyper-aggressive deer, clearly. So anyways, little tip for you there. And then um, I want to talk real quick about decoys because I said I would do this, and I, I know this is a long podcast. I told you guys it was going to be. Um, with, with decoys, there's there's a few things I just want to cover briefly, and maybe I can get into more detail later on, but... But basically, like, there are so many myths that are surrounding decoys. I posted a video in my stories the other day. I should have posted it in my timeline. I'm going to do it in my stories and my timelines from now on most of the time. Or on my, yeah, so you guys can see it. Um, and I can leave it up there. Because when I post things in my story, they go away in 24 hours. So, um, but I do have content in my stories that I, I'm not going to put on my feed. Otherwise, I just fill my feed up all the time. And you guys would get annoyed with it probably. <laughs> so, um with decoy and there, there's a bunch of myths that go around decoys and, and all I can tell you is what my experiences are. I'm not telling you things, uh, you know, there are no guarantees in deer hunting, though guarantees, especially when it comes to behavior, but there are some constants uh, that you do see. And one of those things that I hear a lot of is that deer always approach a decoy from the front. If you watch that video, the deer swung around the back side of that decoy. In my experience, mature bucks especially and that was not a mature buck by the way it's just a year and a half old buck that swung around the backside of the decoy mature bucks will approach a decoy from downwind a large portion of the time which works out because especially if i'm hunting field edges in the evening which is what i do a lot with the decoy i want to be on the downwind side of that decoy and i want that decoy to be out away from me about eh, it just depends maybe 20 yards or so 30 yards at most the reason I have a, a bigger buffer in there than what I think most people do, and one of the mistakes I mean to see is that they bring that decoy too close to them. What happens is those deer come in and, and circle around, away from the cover especially. That's another reason I think they, they, they approach it. If you give them the option or the opportunity to, to, to approach from the most wide open area, most secure area possible, they're probably going to do that. Um, or I should say the most wide open. If you can position that decoy out with a good buffer between you, between the decoy and the cover, and of course you're inside the cover, there's a higher percentage chance that buck is going to slide in between you and the decoy. And when his attention is focused on the decoy, obviously you can get away with absolute murder when it comes to that. So 
that's part of the reason I, I keep that distance uh, away from me. The other thing that I do too a lot, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the size of your decoy. I know there's the big boss buck decoy out there. A lot of you have experienced this. I got actually I got two messages last night about it. The, the big boss decoy, man, here's the issue with big decoys, in my opinion. I don't think that deer have death perception. Meaning when a deer looks at something and sees the size of something, it relates that to its distance, I believe. I, I've never talked to a deer, so I don't really know. But I really feel like they have a depth perception like that. That's why you'll see me use some of the smallest decoys that are out there when I do use a decoy. The decoy I had the other day, I got um, I got it from a Farm King store. It's a farm store here in the Midwest. Um, and I think it's called a, a scrapper, a little scrapper decoy. And I think what it is is a flambeau doe decoy a small doe decoy and they have just a little year and a half old rack they put on it i i've got to find a bigger set of antlers or i've got to modify those somewhat but another thing that i'll do um, and the reason i do that sorry the reason I, I do a small decoy like that is because of that depth perception idea i've noticed that deer generally have a fight or flight range of about 40 yards like meaning when i'm rattling in a deer if it's open country, they get to 40 yards, they generally tend to hang up. That's why you see me rattle a lot more in heavy cover than what I do in wide open fields. The reason I use that smaller decoy is I think they perceive that that deer is further away than what it is. So they'll come a little bit closer. And I, I've, I've found that to be pretty consistent with a small decoy. I get my bucks closer before they get to that hang up range. And if, if I can get them to hang up under 20 yards of the decoy, they're well within bow range for me. If they hang up at 40 yards and the decoy's 30 yards from me, that's 70 yards on a, on a white tail. That's a long shot, dude. Like, it can happen, but there's a lot of things that can happen from the time that arrow clears that string and that bow until it hits that that deer. Um, man, they're, they're acrobats when it comes to dodging arrows, and that's how a lot of deer, in my opinion, I've seen over the years get wounded. So um, that's one of the reasons I chose a small decoy. Uh, the other thing is about the headgear on the decoy and, and this kind of goes coincides with what, what I told you earlier is I'm generally putting that decoy, generally speaking, I'm putting that decoy uh, upwind of me directly. Now, the other night in the video, I was in the edge of a fence row that met a block of timber and that decoy, actually the wind was blowing uh, from basically from nose to tail on that decoy. And that, even that year and a half old buck swung around that side. I think they tend to want to approach that decoy the majority of the time from the downwind side but also too i've noticed that if i have one side of the antler bigger than the other side of the antler uh or than the other antler i've got they generally will almost always especially mature buck almost always approach that weak sided antler so with a lot of decoys in the past i would take like they maybe would have like a three-year-old set of antlers on there relatively let's say 130 inch deer um on their head i'll take one half of that rack the one rack on one side of it and i'll saw those antlers on that right side or i'll break some of those tines off um so that i've got the weak side always between the deer and me if that makes sense or the deer decoy and me so um that's another thing that i've seen them do a lot when they do approach especially when it's calm and there's no wind they're going to most likely approach that weak side weak-sided antler before they approach the stronger-sided antler so um and as far as them coming from in front of the decoy or behind the decoy honestly it it seems like it doesn't really matter like i've randomly seen them do both so um if you've had different experiences totally get it i'm just telling you this has been my experience with it if you're first time decoying decoying is so much fun it's ridiculous um another thing i see people do a lot is they spray down their decoy 
there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking a swing and spraying that. I don't like spraying anything on anything, personally. I have used the odor elimination sprays. I'm not so sure that sometimes, depending on, on the brand or whatever's in that, I'm not so sure it doesn't actually hurt more than it helps. I use the analogy a lot, and this is why I don't use scents anymore. Um, when you introduce something to an environment and you, you put a deer on alert, deer are extremely curious animals. And we'll get into this in another segment because this podcast is already like 24 minutes. When you introduce something into an environment of a deer or any animal, really, including humans, it, curiosity usually overwhelms that that animal and they're going to start to try to dissect what's there to de- determine what that smell is. So in other words, just like if we walk into a room and say your, your mom's making spaghetti and you smell the spaghetti sauce, we smell spaghetti sauce. A whitetail doesn't smell spaghetti sauce in general. A whitetail smells oregano and pepper and tomato and all the spices that are in that, all the, all the things that create the odors. They can break that down on a level that we can't possibly comprehend. And that's why they're so damn tough to beat on their noses sometimes is because they have the ability to do that that we can't really comprehend. So um, I'm not a fan of spraying down stuff. Yes, there are odor neutralizing sprays out there. Do they really work? I don't know. Uh, Seems like maybe it helps at times. I also wonder when you sit there and spray and spray and spray a decoy down, like what's what's in that spray? Obviously, there's some kind of chemical in there. There should be. That's in theory, eliminating some kind of odor, but it's probably leaving an odor of some sort of its own that we can't quite notice ourselves. So I would highly suggest, I guess for me, just, you know, leave your decoy out in the weather as much as possible. I mean, that's what I do. I, I kind of let mother nature take its course, just kind of ditch it somewhere where it can sit in the rain. And then I, I try to handle that as carefully as I can uh, with gloves if at all possible. And then, um, in fact, I think you can see on that video I posted the other day that that buck got around. He got pretty close to that decoy and smelled something wasn't right and came unglued there. Um, the other thing I see people do is they spray doe piss all over or buck piss or whatever all over that decoy. Again, if you're introducing something into a scenario that otherwise wouldn't probably not have been smelled like if you're trying to cover up something a deer's gonna figure it out like they just are whether they figure it out before you run an arrow into them or not i don't really know but you're inviting trouble when you invite odors in there and i know a lot of people disagree with me that's totally cool i'm just telling you my experience and i'm telling you why i do what i do and i hope it helps so this whole segment was super long i apologize for taking so long and i apologize again for not kicking out a podcast here earlier in between the last one and this one um, try to be a little more vigilant about getting those out every day. I usually do them in the mornings on the trucks on my way to my stand like I am now. And, uh, I get them published once I'm in the tree. So, um, it's November 2nd, everybody, um, man, get out there, get aggressive. Unless you, you know, you're hunt, you, you've got some sweet spots you're trying to save for later. I've got a few that I really like a lot. I haven't hunted yet. I'm going to stay out of there until, uh, about November 4th or 5th or so somewhere in there. And then, uh, I'll keep you posted as we move through the season. Best of luck to everybody. Congrats to everybody who sent um, me some pictures here over the past few days, man. Boy, there's been a lot of really good bucks killed this year. So um, congratulations to all. Stay safe out there. Wear your harness. And uh, have a good day, everybody. Catch you later. See ya.